Welcome back to Cobbler's Gulch. Episode 8, Iron Spikes. Hazel Peachwood arrives at Huffnagel's livery stable, and the first person she sees is Gordo Craggs. He's in the arena, attempting to mount and break an ivory-antlered grogglepuss. The grogglepuss has a shaggy black coat that whips this way and that jerked by this creature's mountainous humped back and its powerful haunches. Gordo Craggs manages to calm the beast, and he scoots within inches of its brisket. And if you don't know what a brisket is, or where a brisket is, it's the part of the grogopus nearest the front legs. But before Gordo Craggs can throw the saddle over the grogopus's back, the grogopus hooks Gordo Craggs with a candy cane-shaped antler and whips the poor guy's sturdy body up into the air and then slams him down into the muck. Like, really hard. Gordo Craggs peels his face from the gunk to see Hazel staring at him from the other side of the rail. Good morning, Mr. Craggs. Any chance you've seen Oz around here? Gordo Craggs spits out a mouthful of mud. Or at least it looks like mud. It might be something less... Well, a lot less sanitary. Hazel takes the noises that Gordo Craggs makes to mean that he's not presently interested in discussing the whereabouts of wayward orphans. Yeah, I figured. I'll just have a look in the stable. As Hazel starts to leave, the Grogopus bucks and kicks and snorts, and it looks nothing short of hopping mad. Pretty impressive, Mr. Craggs. That's quite a grogglepuss. And it looks like you've got her just about bested. Bewildered, Gordo Craggs grunts, pushes himself up, and whirls around to see if Hazel's right. Breaking the grogglepuss so early in the day would afford him ample time to guzzle ale or mead or fermented snaggledillo milk at Three Fingers Tavern. But as Gordo Craggs turns, he's met with two explosive hooves that wallop him in the chest. And this confirms that Hazel, for all of her virtues, knows little, in fact, probably less than little, about the temperament of the ivory-antlered grogglepuss. The force of the grogglepuss's hooves launch Craggs back against the wooden rail of the arena, as if shooting him from a cannon. And then, again, Gordo Craggs slams down into the muck. Well, I guess there's a big difference between bested and just about bested. And then Hazel leaves Gordo Craggs to his work and slips into the stables. Stalls line either side of the space, and creatures occupy most every stall. Horses. Mules. Swamp donkeys. Double-trunked pygmy pachyderms. Riding slugs and a lame, flightless pegasus. Every size and shape of bits, bridles, whips, and horseshoes line the cedar walls. At the far end of the stable, two figures stand between the blacksmithing forge and the anvil. One is Huffnagel, 
wearing his leather apron, gloves, and an air of dumbfounded awe. The other is Wooden Wolf Monfort, who shoulders two bearskin sacks, brimming with dead weight. Wolf nods a thanks to Huffnagel, and then he shoots Hazel a glance before limping out through the back door of the stable. Plagued by curiosity, Hazel rushes to Huffnagel. Mr. Huffnagel? Huffnagel doesn't respond right away. The dumbfoundedness of his encounter with Wolf still lingers. Mr. Huffnagel. Wheezing through his crooked nose, the weathered stableman looks down at Hazel. He wheezes because, like Gordo Craggs, he's endured too many ornery hooves to the chest. Wild beasts take their toll on Wrangler's rib cages and lungs. Oh, didn't see you standing there, Missy. Uh, those sacks that he was carrying? Um, they look kind of heavy. Well, what did you expect a sack to look like after you fill it with iron spikes? What would somebody want with so many iron spikes? Well, what do I know about it? When a man like Wooden Wolf Montford asks you to do something, anything at all, Missy, you do it. After the Age of Gloom, he asked me to forge a... A buckle for the strap of his stump. So I forged it right right here in this fire. Huffnagel taps his tongs on the edge of the forge. And this morning, he asked me to melt swords into spikes. So I, I melted swords into spikes. What happens to the person who doesn't do what he asks? I don't think you could find a person in all of the Whisperlands who wouldn't want the honor of being... Called on by Wooden Wolf Montfort. Nobody? Not one person? Well, nobody worth knowing. The last person who didn't do what the wolf asked, well, you take a walk across the bridge of the spinning woman and see what's left of him. What would, um, I mean, what, what would I see? You'd see a petrified warlock, that's what you'd see. Petrified? Turned to stone. Iggly biggly indeed, Missy. Iggly biggly indeed. With that, Huffnagel excuses himself to assist Gordo Craggs with the Grogglepuss, leaving Hazel to contemplate wooden limbs, petrification, and a mysterious sack of iron spikes. It's Oz that breaks her from her trance. What are you doing out here, Hazelwood Peach? Hazel whirls around and sees Oz brushing and braiding the lame Pegasus's mane. Of course, Hazel is neither out here, nor is her name Wood Peach. Rather, she's in the stable, and her name is Peach Wood. But Oz has a knack for getting things backwards, and inside out, and upside down, and sometimes he spits out complete crisscrossed poppycock. Occasionally, Hazel corrects him, but most times she doesn't, because Oz also has a knack for nodding up a conversation. Better to understand a little than not understand anything at all. The trick is knowing which snares are worth untangling, and which are better left tangled. So far, the Lilt Blossom snare has only led to more snares, but Hazel thinks Oz might be able to help with the unsnarling. He is, after all, a descendant of the Wittershin Wayfarers, who are renowned for their skills in the arts of hunting, tracking, pickpocketing, navigation, orientation, and prestidigitation. Unfortunately for Oz, his entire tribe was massacred by a rare plague of giant falling pine cones. 
Oz found himself the only one left of his kind, and he happened upon the Pegasus, who was also the only one left of its kind. Together, they made their way to Cobbler's Gulch, Oz to the orphanage, the Pegasus to Huffnagel's. Hazel regards Oz, noticing that the braid he's weaving is cockeyed and lopsided. She doesn't bother mentioning anything, though. She doesn't want to lose any time putting Oz's Wittershin wayfaring talents to good use. After all, there are still goblins that need to be tracked. Thanks for listening. On the next Cobbler's Gulch, a dizzy drifter. In the meantime, we're in the thick of this story now. And when you're in the thick of anything, it's best practices to have company, to have someone by your side. So tell your friends about Cobbler's Gulch. Tell them about Hazel Peachwood and the other orphans. Tell them about the Lilt Blossoms and the Goblin Rumors. Tell them about the goats. Tell them about all the little details. The more telling there is, the more this story comes to life in ways that you haven't yet imagined. <laughs>